Hello and welcome to the Skytime Podcast with me, Simon Cousins. This is the podcast that aims to share information and experiences within the Sky community during the COVID-19 crisis. Eventually, Skytime will be a vehicle to promote the island to the world as we celebrate the people, places and providers that make Sky such a great place to live, work and visit. One of the few positives that have come from lockdown over the last 11 weeks is the calm that has descended on Sky. Wildlife seems more abundant. The air seems even clearer than it normally is. The environment has had a bit of a break. When this is all over, sustainability on every level will take on greater significance than before. The tourism industry, which the island economy relies upon, recognises that visitor behaviour has to change from tick-box tourism to a more experiential and ultimately sustainable activity. Sky Climate Action has been looking at these very issues in a series of online meetings. I'm joined by Trish Rogers, one of the coordinators. Welcome to the Skytime podcast. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Now, Sky Climate Action started long before COVID-19 reared its ugly head. Why was it set up and what were the aims? Well, it actually started um, with the Scottish Government's climate emergency conversation, I should put it that way, which was back in August 2019. They, they had these conversations throughout Scotland and they had one in Portree, which was attended by, I should say, about 60 people. And uh, the aim was really to... Um, work together on practical solutions to reduce Sky's carbon footprint and to prepare for the changes that are happening to our climate. And that was the kind of brief that the Scottish Government was working to. And what sort of ideas were thrown up in those initial conversations? It varied from someone who was working on plastic bottles and trying to get uh, plastic bottles out of the system, really. Somebody else is working on agricultural plastic and the the plastic bags and that kind of thing and trying to work out how to collect them up and and so they don't litter the environment. The word sustainability is, is much overused and I'm probably as guilty as anyone. What does it mean to you? I think it is something that you can use over and over again within itself it will last and renew itself and that kind of thing if i'm looking at sustainability in terms of economy i would say the fossil fuel economy is not sustainable and we need to move on to renewable economy where um, we are talking about renewable energy but much wider than that things like the circular economy, where we are reusing, recycling, repurposing what exists already and not trying to plunder the um, resources of the earth any more than we have to. You attended the Sky Connect Spring Conference at Dunvegan Castle uh, just before lockdown, where the theme was green tourism. What did you think of the range of ideas that were shared at that meeting? One of the the main issues on Sky is transport, particularly trying to get people out of their cars. And I think there were some very good ideas. But in terms of the sustainability of the economy, were you mm. and your, your fellow members encouraged that the main driver of the economy on Sky Tourism is actually heading in the right direction? 
Oh, absolutely, yes, yeah, that's um, really important, uh, and and I and I do think that uh, in this period where we've had time for reflection, we need to review what tourism means on Sky, because clearly last year the environment was being degraded by the numbers, um, which and and there is need for some kind of regulation, I think, and certainly a philosophy of caring for the island and, and being stewards of the island and that should come before profit anytime so that I think that tourism has to look at its motives. What impact has COVID-19 had firstly on Sky's environment during this lockdown phase and, and secondly on the momentum for greater action? Clearly that all the uh, information that's coming out is that we have much better atmosphere and the landscape as a whole is able to recover from some of the uh, excesses of last year. It's it's given nature a a chance to um, renew itself. As far as our campaign is concerned, it has been mothballed. But you did hold a couple of online meetings in, in May. What was the aim of those meetings? Well, that was us emerging, I think, from the um, impacts of of COVID. We felt that uh, to try and get the impetus back, we should hold these meetings on this question that we feel should be asked, which is, can Sky be a sustainable island in terms of its communities, environment and economics? as we emerge from COVID-19. And it was really about trying to capture some of the good things that have happened during COVID in terms of community and the way the communities are supporting each other, and particularly with with food um, distribution and so on. One of the themes you mentioned there was food, and there's certainly been plenty of evidence that there's a desire for more cooperation, less waste, buying locally, growing more. This almost feels like a return to post-war values. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. And I think that's something we're discovering, that the the kind of older people in the community are saying, well, this is what we used to do. We we always live like this. Um, and there, there, there is um, uh, a lot to be said for the old way of life, although with a modern twist, it can be even better. I think that is probably something that we will be taking up in Sky Climate Action, looking at food, the whole range from composting to distribution and everything in between, and uh, trying to work with other people about sustainability in, in that respect. It's been really wonderful to see the number of people who've opened up bits of their croft or their garden or whatever, and the the plant sharing and this sort of thing. And this is really something we don't want to lose. How can you ensure that that isn't lost, that as soon as lockdown is lifted, that people don't just go back to their old ways of operating? Well, I don't think there's any way you can ensure it, but I actually think that people have enjoyed doing this kind of thing and rediscovered something that uh, they may have lost. Um, and there, there is a lot of satisfaction. And, and people have been asking themselves, you know, what makes me happy? Is it rushing around? Is it doing work that, you know, isn't necessarily terribly meaningful? 
or is it spending time with my family and and uh, tending the garden? There, there are practical questions about, you know, supporting yourself and uh, having an income. But um, I think that maybe we, we will calm down a bit in the way that we look at making an income. And we may change. You have another meeting planned on Monday the 8th of June. What's on the agenda for that meeting? At our last meeting, we covered a lot of ideas and one of the things that kept coming up was the need to map what is going on on Sky so that what we do doesn't conflict or, yeah, so that we can work with other people to um, achieve the same aims. And so eventually we decided that it was probably best to invite someone to, who, who could give us an overview of the groups on the island and so we've invited Joe Ford from the um, Skarnokalsh Community Volunteer Organisation. So we feel if she comes and talks to us, she'll be able to put us in the picture. And then we, as Climate Action, can look at where we fit into this and where our priorities should be. If people want to get involved with Sky Climate Action, how do they go about it? Well, they can join through the website, which we are in the process of setting up. The website address is skyclimateaction.org. Trish Rogers, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. In Sky, we are lucky to live and work in the most beautiful place on Earth. As we rise to the new challenges our island faces, our tourism industry has a chance to reset and resolve issues. We have the chance to rebuild, but we need your support and we need your voice. Join Sky Connect and help us reopen with a new sustainable tourism industry. Thank you. Some of the thoughts and ideas being explored by Sky Climate Action, including more reliance on local food, will come as music to the ears of my next guest. Roger Widden, along with his wife Fiona, runs the Isle of Sky Fresh Produce Company at Orbust. They supply salads and herbs through the island and beyond. Welcome to Sky Time. Thank you, Simon. Now, I mentioned Sky Climate Action and the momentum that's built during lockdown for sourcing locally. That, that must be encouraging as you navigate these tough business times. Yes, it is. We're achieving more sales directly to individual customers just now. And I think the individuals are becoming more aware of the local produce that is available on Sky that is normally channeled just to hotels and restaurants. Let's take a step back. How did you get into horticulture in the first place? I have horticulturists in my family. My uncle was a market gardener. After leaving school, I, I went to agricultural college. I left there with an HND in commercial horticulture. That was my career started. My first job after leaving college with a, was with a company called Hampshire Watercress. And uh, we had four farms in Hampshire and three down in Dorset. And after 12 months with, with Hampshire Watercress in, in Hampshire, they sent me to Portugal for six months. 18 years later, I was still there. But after 14 years, I met Fiona. We got married. So what was the transition from a major commercial operation in Portugal to a much smaller scale on Sky? Well, Fiona was, was, was working with me at the company, which by that time was called Vicecrest Salads, because we weren't just based in Hampshire. So we dropped the Hampshire name 
and we weren't just growing watercress we were growing a range of of crops mostly baby leaf salads but we were growing in portugal on two sites we were growing in kenya we were growing in partnership with a company in florida we'd established two large farms in the uk growing baby leaf salads and the, the company was getting bigger and bigger and uh, we were becoming a, a, a smaller and smaller part of that company. I had four different managers. I had my line manager and I had three bosses above him. None of them could agree amongst themselves what they wanted me to do. And so they each gave me different objectives. Some of those objectives were complete opposites. So it so, was time yeah. to become your own boss? Uh, it, was, it was time to become our own bosses, yes, yeah. And so how did you come to, to arrive on Sky? Fiona um, went to University of Strathclyde and she did a, quite a lot of work on, on marketing of um, horticultural produce in northwest Scotland. We were in Scotland for a weekend with her parents who were living in Fife and uh, she, she brought me up here, um, not quite to Sky, but across in Loch Alsh. We'd already decided to leave Portugal and she said, what, what do you fancy of this place? And I said, I love it. And, uh, yeah, this is where we, we ended up. Presumably, you must have done quite a bit of investigation into quality of soils and the, the climate, etc., before making that leap. Yes, we did. We spent quite a while looking around. The most important thing for us was to find some decent soil to grow in. We were extremely lucky in that Highlands Islands Enterprise had recently bought the August estate in Northwest Sky, and they were looking for tenants. And the soil we have is some of the best soil I've ever grown on. So once you started growing, obviously you needed to find outlets for your, your produce. How did you find that process? It was fairly straightforward, really. We, we contacted all of the hotels and restaurants, and where we could, we went around to interview the owners or the chefs. Our main focus was on culinary herbs, at that time, we, we tried to find out which culinary herbs they used. That was an easy question to answer. But the quantities they used, well, there weren't any answers. So we really had to decide um, what we were going to grow and what quantities and go ahead and, and hope we were right. Once we had crops available, we started taking them round to the chefs, asking them for their opinions and, and asking them if they would like spying. And I think without fail, we, we started selling to everybody we gave samples to. So as we approach the current crisis, you were running a very successful business. Yes, indeed, yeah. We're never going to make a fortune out of it, but um, it was uh, successful enough to provide an income for the, for the two of us, yes. So where were you in the growing cycle when lockdown came upon us? We'd essentially just produced our crops for April. We start sowing beginning of February. And uh, we started harvesting more or less the beginning of April through to the end of October. So all the crops for April were in the ground. And some crops for the rest of the season were also in the ground as well. So, yeah, we were just about to start selling. And I take it when, your, your orders just dried up overnight, did they? Absolutely. Well, 90% of our turnover is from hotels and restaurants. So our, our income was, was cut to 10% of normal. And in the meantime, 
the crops are still growing, you've got to, to tend them and keep the process going. What, what did you do to manage oh, yeah. the business? Some of the crops are, are very short term. You know, they're, they're just in the ground for a couple of months. If they're not harvested, then they just get too big. So, so we just pull them out and throw them away if you've got an excess. Now, part of our business is crop programming, trying to make sure that we have enough crops available for the customers, but not an excess. Every crop takes quite a lot of work, and, and we don't want to be growing crops to throw away. But of course, in this instance, in April, we managed to sell some to individuals and a wee bit of retail, but the majority of what we've grown from beginning of February to the end of March, uh, which is thrown away. And I understand that you've not been able to access any government support. Why is that? We don't know is the answer to that. We've asked the question. We have been given a small amount from HMRC under the self-employment income support scheme, but that is a small amount. Both the owners and my grant from that scheme is not enough to cover business insurance premiums for the year. Can you survive this? We'll live through it. I mean, we've appealed our rejection of our application to the Pivotal Enterprise Resilience Fund. So we'll have to see what comes of that. We've asked Kate Forbes the reasoning behind supporting certain industries and not supporting others. We're still waiting for a definitive answer on that. You've been heavily involved with um, reinstating the food link van. How helpful has that been in terms of generating some income for you through direct sales? Well, as you know, the food link van normally collects from a handful of producers around the island and distributes to hotels and restaurants. And the food link van was set up and ready to go. The signage had been ordered. The van contract was in place for the season. And all of a sudden, before it actually made its first run, the hotels and restaurants were closed. I'm one of the directors of, of Skarnakhausch Foodlink. So um, we were faced with um, a bit of a dilemma and we hadn't really come to any conclusions. One of the triggers for the, pers- the present service was a gentleman from Waternish who emailed me and said that he was um, asthmatic and self-isolating. Were we able to deliver anything to him? And I initially said... Not currently, but um, watch this space. Uh, we then had a lady who you'll know from Carew's House who suggested the Food Link van could spread its wings a bit and, and try to incorporate more local producers. Then a, um, another lady popped up who was thinking of starting up a hub. So delivery companies to make deliveries just to the hub and then people to go along and, and pick up from the hub. And uh, we've so far established 10 hubs around the island and across into Lockhouse. We're running about 10 different producers on the van. The orders are small. You know, it's not comparable to the, to the um, volume of orders we get from hotels and restaurants. But it, it's still growing. We're, we're still taking on producers. And we're still getting orders from, from new consumers. Talk me through how producers can get involved with the Foodlink van and also how customers can find out uh, what's available and, and how to access it. We're essentially using um, Facebook. Diane Kalsh Foodlink has a Facebook page. All the producers are listed on there. A lot of the prices of the produce is listed and there are contact details of how to get in touch with the, the different producers. 
producers likewise. If there's anybody out there listening to this would like to, to join in, if you search for Skylar House Food Link on Facebook or just Google us, we've, we've got a website as well. That's tastelocal.co.uk. Yeah, we'll be very pleased to speak to you. You say you've got 10 hubs that you're distributing through. How often are you sending the van out? Just once a week. It normally runs twice a week. It runs once a week on a Friday. It sets off from Elbow and it starts picking up coming north and essentially starts dropping off going back south again, where it goes across the island and, and back south. So is this something that you would hope to continue selling direct to consumers once your main business is back up and running and, and you're selling to hotels again? Yes, indeed, yeah. From a food link point of view, from a, a producer point of view, but, but mostly from a consumer point of view, you know, we, we can't just drop all these customers that we've, we've picked up over the last couple of months. So yes, indeed, we haven't identified a, a mechanism for doing that yet, but I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll come up with something. As lockdown starts to be eased and we see the four-phase plan that the Scottish Government has come up with, demand will start to increase again from your original customers. Are you prepared for that? Are you ramping up production now? We're not ramping up production yet of our short turnaround crops. We hope to get a few weeks' notice of when customers are able to, to start opening. What we are doing is, I was going to say, obviously, perhaps it's not growing the perennial crops and the the long season crops. So take, for instance, our, our cold parsley. That's all sown in February. We start harvesting cold parsley in May and it's a cut and come again crop so that then you've got continuity right through the season. You've got a, you've got another month of working gradually then through the bed again. By the, by the time you finish the bed, you start at the top again. Well, that has to go on all through the summer in order to get that continuity so that if the hotels and restaurants open in September, then we've got continuity right through September and October, possibly into November as well. If we weren't cutting back and throwing away the crops that are ready now, we wouldn't have that rotation, we wouldn't have that continuity available for the end of the season. So I take it that you've got fingers, toes, everything crossed that many of the hotel and restaurant businesses will be able to reopen this year and that they will see it as being something that is cost-effective to do because otherwise you're going to have very little trade this year. Yes, I think it's a difficult balance to strike, isn't it? That I wouldn't like to be in government and having to decide when to release lockdown. I understand they're doing it gradually. I think we've all got concerns that, that it's it's happening too early, but then... We, we might eventually have concerns that it's happening too late. It's a tricky one. If it's safe to do so, we, we'd like to be able to sell some of these crops we're throwing away, for sure. Roger Whitten, thank you very much indeed for your time. Not at all. You're welcome. And that's all for this edition of the Skytime Podcast. If you have a subject you'd like me to explore or a guest you'd like to hear, please email simon at simoncousinsmedia.co.uk. You can also email me if you'd like to sponsor or advertise on the podcast. Until next time, stay safe, stay home, and stay in touch with family, friends, and neighbours. Aikivah.